What's occurring, Bert? What's occurring? Presented by Zwift. So, here we have it. Today, we're going to focus on the giants of the Peloton. From the past 20 and 30 years, we're not talking about 40, 50, 60 kilo blokes. We're talking about the 70, 80, 90 kilo warriors, calves like thighs, the squatters. We're talking about the sprinters. So, gee, this was your idea, a bit of a spin-off from match of the day. So talk us through it, mate. I was going to work. Yeah, so basically I was listening to a few podcasts uh, a few weeks ago, obviously, in the old lockdown situation. And um, yeah, match of the day, we're doing their top 10 like stuff from Premier League. So keepers to, you know, imports to goalie, uh, to strikers and, and this. So yeah, thought we'd have our top 10 sprinters from the last sort of like, yeah, late 90s till now. Um, and it was quite hard to come up with a list of 10 anyway. You know, there's a few that we've left out, but um, should we just give a quick run through? I don't know what you've done. You don't know what I've done. But uh, the sprinters that we've got are Ferrer, Chippo, Pataki, Kittle, Greifel, Zabel, McEwen, Cav, Caleb Ewan, and Sargon. So, obviously, I think we should give honourable shout-outs to people that didn't make it, like Hushoft and, um, you know, Benati. And then, obviously, the guys racing now, people like Grona Wagen, Elia, Sam Bennett, you know. Christoph. Um, Christoph, yeah. So, I think... Um, Hushoff yeah, is another one. You know, we almost put him in, didn't we? But Yeah, so I think, hard. especially the guys riding now, you know, if we were to do this in five, eight years' time, it could be, uh, you know, different list again. But... Um, yeah, with the ten that we we decided to go with, it was oh mate, I was I've been changing this every five minutes. Every time I look at it, I swap someone, so it's tough going, wasn't it? But should we just dive straight into it? We'll go we'll go from bottom to top first. So maybe we'll alternate we'll alternate to uh, to say yeah. So how about we'll go ten to six to start with? Okay. And then we'll just have a chat about him. Should we do it like that? All right. So number 10, who'd you have? Caleb. I had the same. Number nine? Friera. Greipel. Ooh. Number eight? Robbie McEwen. Marcel Kittel. <laughs> number seven? I went for Sargon. I went for Ferrer. And number six, I went for Kittle. I went McEwen. So run through yours again, just so... Uh... So f- from 10 going through to six, I've gone Caleb, Friera, McEwen, Sargon, Kittle. Okay, so we've got pretty much the same people. Um, yeah, I went 10 Caleb, 9 Greipel, 8 Kittle, 7 Friera, 6 McEwen. Right, so, okay. Okay, start off with Caleb. Obviously... Super talented guy, but the only reason he's number 10 for, for me, I'm guessing for you as well, is just because he's so young, you know, and he hasn't got that longevity in that Palmares yet. Yeah, I think, like you said, he's one of them. He's 25. You forget how young he is. And he, he fits into that bracket that in five years' time, he could be number one. He genuinely could. But, you know, 
he, well, really, it was a toss-up between... He was the last guy to add to the 10, really, wasn't he? He could have, um, could have had a few men coming at number 10, but he's won uh, 42 pro, pro wins already. Um, he's won across three Grand Tours. Um, so, yeah, he scraped in at number 10. Yeah. I've, Who knows I've what he could do in the future. I've got him down as 46 wins as well, because where did you get your wins from? Your stats. stats. Me too. That's weird, isn't it? So I've got 46 wins for Caleb with three tour stages, three Giro, a Vuelta, and Vattenfall, which is like yeah. that one day, isn't it? In one day race. And he's also won nine stages down under, you know, pro tour race. So, you know, of his races, not many of them have been at a lower level. Um, so, you know, but even just to make the top 10, top 10 of, uh, you know, 20, 30 years. So if you Caleb, Caleb, if you're listening, don't take it as an insult, mate. Top 10, chapeau. So we just recorded the sprint episode and about 30 minutes later, I was like, oh, hang on. We forgot someone quite uh, big off that list. And this Tom Boonen, obviously he's won world championship before in a sprint he's won the green jersey numerous stages of the tour so um yeah boonan he's got to be in there so sorry caleb mate you're out boonan's in boonan's in at 10 similar to sargon um that's mainly why we forgot him to be fair so sorry tom tomica but uh yeah obviously classics is his forte but i think he still deserves to be in the sprinters top 10 as well so coming in at 10 boonan and uh it works quite well anyway, because Caleb, Viviani, Gronawagen, Sam Bennett, you know, they're all, you know, how do you choose between them, you know? So, uh, yeah, give it five, six, seven years. Some of them will probably break into it. But for now, boys, keep working hard. You'll get there. So who did you have? Who did you have at nine again? Friere. Oh, yeah, interesting. I had him at seven. Okay. So should we discuss him? Yeah. So, I've got 70 wins for him. How many have you got for him? 72. I think I was kind. I was kind to him. You just added a few onto every. So, obviously, three world titles, three Milan-San Remos, 11 Terreno stage wins. But he didn't, um, you know, he didn't win that many Grand Tour stages, did he? Uh, which is obviously where it's battle royale with the sprinters. Yeah, he didn't. But from my point of view, like you look at his like three world titles for a start, like that's just incredible. Obviously, we're talking about sprinters here, but four tour stage wins isn't a lot for for a pure sprinter. But he won the green jersey. But you look at one day races, three Milan San Remo's. Like, what is the classic that every sprinter wants to win? It's Milan San Remo. So to win that three times, get Wevel going, Parry tours, Vat and Fall. I think like. Oh, seven Vuelta stages. Um, I don't think he wanted to stage a Giro though, so maybe he didn't do that race very often. But um, yeah, I, I just saw all that and like, yeah, his, his total wins are a lot less than the other big winners. But purely from winning Milan-San Remo three times and the Worlds three times, I just thought he's got to be, be higher. So uh, that was my... Yeah, was- I mean... I agree, like three world titles, three San Remos, just that stat alone is ridiculous. But then I and kind of thought, 
And a green jersey. And a green jersey. But then I thought, I dived a bit deeper. And I thought, well, how did he win them? Did he win them in out-and-out bunch sprints? You know, if you think of, you know, what we're looking at here, pure sprinters, they're purebreds. Um, and, I'm, you know, I still put him at ninth best overall sprinter in the past 30 years. So, but yeah, all right. Yeah, I mean, we were two apart on that one. So, yeah. I think, I think it's, it's like, it's not all just pure speed, is it? But at the same time, there's, you know, it's all subjective anyway. Like, and he won Tirreno overall, though. Tirreno Adriatico, he won overall. That's bonkers. Like, obviously, he wasn't a pure sprinter, you know, like Chippo and Cav and that, but that's insane. He's a bit against the mole as well, because he? he was, you know, he could climb really well, well as well. And he was, um, you know, you look at the list, you know, like Chippo, Pataki, Greipel, Kittle, these, these big units. He was one of the smaller sprinters, really, as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, um, um, oh man, what the hell is his name now? The Spanish guy that was in our team, classics guy. Fletcher. Fletcher, yeah. He always used to uh, say, ah, oh, yeah, Frey, never used to train. And I think he was one of those guys that, uh, well, you know, it's obviously a bit of sort of, um, uh, you know, he, he obviously trained, didn't he? Yeah. But I think uh, he was one of those guys that was super talented and maybe didn't quite, wasn't as professional as a lot of other people maybe, but. Yeah, fair play. Okay, number eight. I went. I went McEwen. Who'd you go? Well, I went Kittle. Okay. I only went. I only went Kittle there because I just feel like he, he finished early, didn't he? Like yeah. for for whatever reason and stuff. But I've got ninety eight wins for him. How many did you have? Ninety four or something. Eighty nine. <laughs> so. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go in the middle, low 90s. Yeah. 14 tour stages. Like, that's one of the highest, actually, um, of all the guys we have here. Um, yeah. Second highest of our list. 14 yeah. tour stages. Um, four Giro, one Vuelta. He's won the overall at Dubai twice. Shelter Prize five times, which obviously these days is a big one for the sprinters. Um, and... Honourable mention, won the Junior TT Worlds twice as well. Add that one in. And he won, of his 14 Tour de France wins, two of them were the Champs-Élysées, which is, you know, the World Championships for sprinters as well, isn't it? Um, hence yeah. why I put him a little bit higher in the list than you. Um, yeah, for me, it was more just the longevity of it as well. But if you go purely speed, he has to be... I don't know, it's hard to... to compare against you know Chippo and Pataki but you know as Cav said he was the one guy that Cav was sort of that's why I bumped him up my list because he's sixth on mine and that's why when I speak to other sprinters you know the stats are the stats and for sure there's people below him who have better stats than him on my, um, for me but just he was in his prime I think the best he was like if he was 100% and he got the sprint right he would win. And, yeah, uh, for sure. But I think you've also got to take into account consistency over the years as well. Well, yeah. that's, that's how I was trying to, to judge it. Sixth, eighth, who, you know, who really cares, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to get bump into him and just get sparked out. At the end of the day, mate, any, all of these, what a massive compliment to be, the yeah. 20, to be in the top 10. 
So, yeah. you know, they are big boys, so I don't want to piss them off. <laughs> Fair play, right. So that's 10, 9, 8, 7. Who you got? So this is where I had for... Uh... Okay. Uh, who did I have? I had Sargon. Now, Sargon oh. is in your top five, isn't he? Yeah. Interesting. I mean... Like- I'm thinking pure sprinter here because this is where it gets a bit grey because if we had a list of the best classics rider, Sargon would be in there. If you have the best list of all-rounders, Sargon would be in there. Best list of sprinters, of course, he's in there. And he's won 113 races, 12 Tour de France. 121. (laughs) (laughs) Seven green jerseys, 17 stages in Swiss, and in Cali, and then of course three world titles and and all the classics on top of that. Like the resume is just ridiculous, which is clearly why you put him in the top five. But for me, you know, a lot of them Tour de France stages come from breakaways, reduced sprints, uphill sprints. So if we're talking pure out and out sprinter, you know, I've got him down well, there. Uphill sprint and a flat sprint is still a sprint, no. Yeah, but you want to sprint at the top of Alpe d'Huez. It's, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, from my point of view, yeah, seven green jerseys. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like, that's what every sprinter wants, isn't it? A, a green jersey. Obviously, these days, the green jersey is a bit more... Well, they've tried to make it more for the pure sprinter again, haven't they? With more points for the, the flat days and, and, and whatnot. And, but, and the intermediate sprints have high bonuses now, don't they, as well? Yeah, so... Just a quick run through of his wins again. I've got his big wins here. Three world titles, Flanders-Roubaix, three Wavelgums, which that used to be a sprinter's race, but it's kind of gone a bit more classic, haven't it? E3, two Quebec, one Montreal, and a Kerner Brussels Kerner. Poland overall, California overall, four of Walters and 12 tour wins. Like, yeah, I put, put him high because, yeah, purely because of those green jerseys, really. And the world's, one of those world titles he won was Qatar, which was obviously pan-flat and a pure sprinter's one, and he still won it. So fair play to him, just incredible. Rivalry. Yeah, I mean, two of his three world titles, because he won Richmond solo, didn't he? And um, the other two he did win from bunch sprints in, uh, in Norway and in, in Qatar. I mean, yeah, I've put him as the... Number seven. Um, Yeah, I think I'm right. I think you're wrong. (laughs) Okay. Number six. This is where I put Kittle. Ah, Okay. I've got McEwen. Right, okay. I mean, we've discussed both of them, haven't we? But um, we've never discussed McEwen, have we? No, McEwen. Yeah, so, yeah, I've got down for him 12 tour wins, 12 Giro wins. Three green jerseys, shoulder prize, Vattenfall. Um, 115 wins. What have you got? 108. I got 115 as well. Ah, okay. There we go. So, yeah, I think you know, McEwen, he, he was a pure sprinter, obviously, wasn't he? That's all he, he, he did. He was a pure bread, yeah. Incredible. Like, you know, he never, he was renowned for never really having a lead out, but still finding his way and like. I don't know what he would have been like if he'd had a lead out. You know, some people are like, well, he's better on his own anyway. But yeah, just how what he did. 
And he was Fair quite play, like. renowned and I know had the reputation as like, he'd get his elbows out, wouldn't he? He'd get where he needed to go, he'd go. He'd land ahead, but he'd... And that was because he had no lead out. And he, to, to do that with no lead out is, is pretty special, isn't it? And, um, and he's another one, I guess. He's quite a small, small guy for a sprinter compared to the rest of him. Yeah, little pocket rocket. But I just remember loving watching him sprint, really. You know, just like, just against all odds almost, wasn't it? When there's like a big lead out and then, you know, a couple of other guys being helped and then he's just there just battling around and finding his own way. And um, yeah, There's like that, that photo that's, that's quite famous where they're, cr- they're crossing the finish line. I think with Stuart O'Grady and Stuart O'Grady's Australian champ, and I think McEwen's in the green jersey, and they're literally like bouncing off each other. It's pretty, uh, like, sums him up really. I think he was, like I said, wasn't afraid to get, get you know, get in the dirty areas and, and duck and dive, and just uh, I think one of the best. Yeah, the, when you look through the rest of the list, they all had great leadouts, but to to do what he did with no leadout just shows how much of a you know good bike he was, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and one thing that I noticed when I was looking up his races that he'd won was uh, Heiko was his, his coach when he joined the Australian Institute. Wow. Sport. So Heiko's done the rounds, haven't he? I forgot he was down there in Australia with all those boys. And then obviously he's had two stints with British Cycling. Uh, the Danes, when they were sort of, uh, when was it? Like Beijing Olympics when they were second. So, yeah, Heiko's... Uh, now he's back with the Danes, is he? Heiko? I don't know where he is now, actually. Um, Heiko was actually the guy as well. When me and Stannard, um, I was still a junior. I think I was turning under 23, like in the January, and this might have been like December. And we went to a T-Mobile training camp. And um, yeah, just as like Heiko had set up this little like it wasn't like a academy or a feeder or anything. It was more just, I don't know what it was, to be fair. It was four of us, me, Stanard, and two foreigners. We went to T-Mobile training camp and we were there. And like, obviously, Ulrich and, you know, Cloden and Zabel, all the hitters were there. And we were just like, oh, my God, like, this is insane. Like, just in the, in the food, in the restaurant, like, it was just, oh. In awe. In awe. And then I remember going into the sauna and, you know, proper German style. Everyone's like naked. We're there with our shorts on thinking, oh, you know, we're standing up now. But, uh, and then, uh, but yeah, that was, that was crazy, actually. Just Didn't you stop at a cafe with all the pros and uh, yeah. Stanard ordered an ice cream and they looked at him like he had 10 heads? Yeah, so we stopped. Yeah, it was obviously a coffee <laughs> ride. We were... We were riding with them at one point, and then I think, I don't know if it was Stanard or it was the other guy, but one of them crashed, like, mid-group. And after that, it was like, get those, like, kids at the back. So we all, have, we all have to ride at the back after that, behind everyone. But, um, yeah, we stopped for a coffee as well. And, uh, yeah, Stanard had, like, a Magnum or Solero or something like that, and everyone was just looking, thinking, like, who is this little monster? Like, <laughs> but, oh. Brilliant, Yogi. Yeah. Anyway, back to back to the sprinters. Top five. Number five then. Number five. I don't want to. Greifel. Run them down five to one. Okay. Greifel, Pataki, Zabel, Cav, Chippo. 
Ooh. I've got five Zabel, four Sargon, three Pataki, two Chippo, and one Cav. Ooh, I'm going to have an angry Manx man on the phone very soon, aren't I? Huh. Uh, we'll wake our way to the top, shall we? Should we go for number five? Yeah. I've gone Greipel. Who did you have? Zabel. Wow. I mean, have we spoke about Greipel? No. Greipel. Yeah. So he's actually second in the list of total wins. Uh, 156 wins, uh, 11 Tour de France stages, 18 Tour Down Under wins, uh, 7 Giro. And what's that? I put 1 MPS. What's that? I don't know. I, I, tried, to okay. I tried to type in shorthands and I've confused myself. Um, but yeah, I put him in the top five. Where did, where did you have him? You had him quite far down, didn't you? Yeah, I had him at nine. Wow. Okay. That, that's probably the biggest, um, biggest think, difference that uh, him, isn't it? Yeah. The only reason I had him down there was he hasn't won a green jersey. Um, he hasn't won Milan San Remo. Um, they were the two big ones, really. Obviously, he's got a ton of wins. You know, four stages in the Vuelta, the points jersey there, bat and fall, but. Yeah, I just I put him, I put him quite high up for two. I mean, his wins are his wins are amazing. But firstly, for sheer volume, 156 wins, and he's. It also depends, though. The races, like you know. Yeah, but he's just been consistent for a long time, and he's yeah, yeah, yeah. you know in in the prime Cav v Greipel, um, you can quite easily forget about him because Cav was so superior that he overshadowed him a bit. But when you look back, God, he's won some bike races and he's been at the top of his game for a long, long time. He's starting to come off a bit now, obviously. Um, but yeah, I had him up at number five. Interesting. Hmm. Four, I had Sargon. I had Pataki. Pataki, yeah. Um, he's got the most, well, actually, no. I had no. the wrong one here as well. One five five, I think it was. I had one four nine for Pataki, um, but when you look at, can you see how many tour tour wins Pataki had? Have you got that written down? Six. Okay, so if you look at pure Grand Tours, so six Tour de France, twenty Vuelta, twenty two Giro, like across the Grand Tours, he's probably the most consistent. That's just. Um, yeah, and he was he was another purebred, wasn't he? I'm not sure if he won a you know a points jersey in the Grand Tours, but you know mm -hmm. he was one who needed his his lead out in Fasa Bartolo was probably the the best ever. Still, um, maybe HTC could could fight with it, but you know, well, and then Chippo Seiko though. Yeah, but that Fasa Bartolo lead out, they just hit the front with 10k to go, and there was no. No, nothing, nobody could do anything. And I think there was one year when I don't know the exact figures. I probably should have looked it up. But there was a there was a Giro one year where I think he won nine or ten stages. Nine stages. Yeah. Nine stages. That is frightening. Um, yeah. yeah. Every other day, 
them boys just sat around the dinner table having champagne. Class. Huh. What a weapon. Yeah, he won the points jersey in every Grand Tour. Milan San Remo, Parry Tours, and Charles de Prize. So, um, yeah, you had him at four. I had him at three. Okay, just yeah. Pretty similar. Boy, like, to be fair. What a weapon. I think, like, you know, doing this as well, like, when I was looking back, like, more of the people that, like, Pataki and Ferrer and McEwen, it just reminds me of being, like, a kid again, you know? Like, a proper fan of it and just, like, just getting all excited about, like, even watched a couple of the sprints just to, like, remember what it was like. Because now you kind of watch a race, especially if it's a, a sprint in the tour, you're in it and you're just, you're just hating it because you just don't want to crash, you know? Yeah. And afterwards you watch it just to see who won. But so you see it completely different, like, through different eyes almost, you know? I think once we actually stop and we watch, watch it again from a different perspective, I think we really sort of enjoy it and be a fan again. Um, <laughs> But at the moment, yeah. you're just like, it's, it's hard to, you know, especially, yeah, the guys that are still racing, you, you, it's not quite the same, I don't know, because it's kind of, it's just normal. Like when, when you're a kid and you're watching like attacking all them, we're not involved in it, are we? We're just dreaming of being, becoming a pro. So, yeah, it was, it was it's actually so, nice. It's so true that, say like, say Caleb wins a stage or Gronin Wigan wins a stage, the next day you pat him on the back, say, well done, mate. But these guys we're talking about now, the likes of, Chippo, Zal, Pataki, McEwen. Still like superstars, that, aren't they? That era. Sorry? They're still like superstars to us. Well, like, yeah. We, we, I never raced them, so they were the guys that I raced Pataki. But the, these were the guys who were like on your poster on the wall as a kid, you know? They were yeah. heroes. So it's pretty cool. Number three? Oh, Zabel, you had? I had Zabel number three, yeah. Um... So I, I got written down. Where did you have Zabel? Four. Uh, five. Five. So pretty close as well. I mean, the I only him up at number three. I was going to say, I, I did have him above Sargon, but then I switched him purely because Sargon had seven green jerseys. <laughs> I thought he's, got, just, he's just got to go above him, haven't he? Because Zabel really wasn't, a, he was a pure sprinter, but he wasn't like, one of the quickest was he? He's more of a frere who could climb and yeah. and stuff. But anyway, his stats. Go on. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a close one. I, obviously, do you know what he won? Uh, six green jerseys. Obviously, Sargon just surpassed him. But six green jerseys. He only actually won twelve stages of the tour, which was quite surprising. Um, only, yeah, shit. <laughs> no, but no, if you won six green jerseys, so then for that to translate to only six green, sorry, six green jerseys for that to only equate to 12 Tour de France stages. But anyway, the thing that was, you know, pushed him up to number three for me was four San Remos. Um, and he also lost a San yeah. Remo to Friera when, uh, you know, Zabal had won his yeah. hands in the air and Friera nipped underneath him. So, that could have easily been five, but it's not, it's four. Um, six, sorry, eight Welter stage wins, eight Tour de Suisse wins, stage wins. 140 wins in total. So I've got him up there at number three. Um, Hang on, let me just give you a few more wins. Uh, three Paris Tours, because they're kind of sprinters, aren't they? But you won Amstel, Amstel Gold. Wow, didn't know that. You won uh, Battenfall. 
And I think, which also is a big one, was, do you remember the UCI World Cup? Yeah. He won that as well. Okay. That jersey was cool. You know when it was just like... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vertical band? I remember like, Bettini wearing it. He looked cool as... Yeah. And they took in like... Oh, it was all like the classics. Well, all the big races, wasn't it? Yeah. Remo, Flanders-Roubaix, Liège, Amstel, San Sebastian. Now you say that, I can envisage him in that jersey. In telecom, with that, they didn't have the best helmet, did it? It didn't look very cool, but I, I can envisage him now. Yeah. But yeah, you some yeah, boy. I've got my number three. You got my number five. Pretty similar. Mm. We. Uh, I remember actually when I went to watch Amstel Gold, and uh, it might be in the year he won, or the year around that time. Anyway, and we were all stood outside the hotel waiting them for them because they were riding to the start, and. Uh, we rode behind him. I remember riding like 10 meters off the back of the last guy though because I didn't want to like sort of piss him off or get in the way or whatever. But yeah, we rode to the start of Amstel Gold behind like T-Mobile, him and Vino and whoever else was there, just like in awe, you know. I was only yeah. like 13 or 14 or something. But that was pretty cool. Stuff like that just makes you think now, you know, when there's a, a kid at a race or, a, you know, people tag on to you in training, yeah, when like, they don't ride 10 metres behind you, I get annoyed. So I'm like pissed yeah, off. When they, yeah, when they ride with you, it's fair enough. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. me and you are pretty good like that, aren't we? But some guys get pretty pissed off and tell yeah. them to go away. And you think, ah, oh, come on, man. Like, that was literally us, me yeah. and you 15 years ago or 20 years ago. No, 20 years ago. Just give them a bit of time. Yeah. But Zabo was also a um, little story. He was also... Uh, pretty one one of his things so if 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 he was with the the team and they were training and they stopped at the coffee stop he'd he'd never stop he'd say right how long are you stopping for i will be 20 minutes whilst we have a coffee he'd go off continue to ride his bike and 20 minutes later come back and then go for a coffee he wouldn't he he wouldn't stop with the boys um obviously just something that he believed in not to stop for a coffee not to break up his training and he'd always continue to ride doesn't surprise me me. because like in the tour as well i remember he was like um he was never in the group petto he's always like the guy that's in the group in front you know yeah always i think he was when he was a rider i think he must have had that real sort of german sort of mentality just like i'll get it done you know get out there and do it and go home type thing 10 o'clock is 10 to yeah what is it if you're if you're earlier on time if you're on time you're late and if you're late, um, you're fired. Something like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what it was now, what they said. I heard it on some podcast, actually. But anyway, yeah. Bizarre, but to be fair, I feel just sorry for his, his son, Rick. Imagine yeah. if dad was like Zabel or Eddie Merckx. Like, Big boots to fill. And he's actually a good rider. Like He's won, he's won a few races. He's a good lead-out man, but he'll forever be in the shadow of his father, won't he? Yeah, yeah. Or even Rochi, you know, Nico, like... Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, he's achieved a lot in his career. Wore the red jersey in the Vuelta a couple of times, but forever be in the shadow. Oh, he loves the Vuelta, doesn't he? His race. Hang on about the Vuelta, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good old Nico. Right, Em. Top two. two. We got them the other way around, but yeah, I got Chippo and then Cav. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's a toss-up. I, I, 
on one list here, I've got Cav at the top, and then I changed it around and I put Chip at the top, and I, that's what I've stuck with. But um, it's a tough one. There wasn't much to, to split between them. So I'll just run through Chippo's stats. He was um, top of the list in terms of wins, 166. 47, I got. All right, we'll go with you because it gives <laughs> me more of a reason to put him first. 42 yeah. Giro wins. Yeah. 12 Tour de France, three Gent Wevelgums, and a world road race title I've got for him. Yeah, yeah I've got a few more. Yeah. Three Vuelta's, Milan San Remo, E3, and two Charles Prized. And then for Cav, what you got? Uh, obviously, 30 tour wins, one points jersey, 15 Giro, one points jersey, three Vuelta, one points jersey, three stage races, ZLM and two Qatars. The Worlds, obviously, Milan San Remo, and three Shelder Prize. I mean, how do you split them? They're just yeah. ridiculous, aren't they? Um, I think if you were to go Cav, number one, you know, there's an argument for that. Obviously, he, he was in his prime, the best by a long way. And the same can be said for Chipper. When he was number one, he was number one. And there was number two was a long way behind. Um, why did you pick Cav over Chipper? I think, like, for me, because Cav had won the green jersey. And I think as a sprinter... Well, I'm not a sprinter, but the impression I get is the green jersey is like, you know, there's a few things as a sprinter. It's San Remo, Champs-Élysées stage, and a green jersey. They're like the the big things, no? So, yeah. and the tour is the tour, and yeah, to, to have win a jersey there. So, Cav winning that um Edges it, and the fact that he's won 30 Grand Tour stages. Like, obviously, Chippo won 42 Giro, but as we both know, the Giro isn't the Tour. It's obviously still good, but um, the Tour is just that next level. So, for me, that's what edged it with Cav. Good answer. Strong <laughs> argument. Um, I think for me, you know, Chippo is obviously Italian, and he prioritized <laughs> he prioritized the Giro um, I spoke to him on the phone it's what he said so that's why he had more Giro wins than Tour um, I just think to be that one figure just blew my mind 42 Giro wins he was just so dominant and it was a toss up and then you've seen Chippo he's won 20 more races Um you know, that being said, Cav isn't at the end of his career, but I mean, they both won a world title, both won San Remo. Um, overall, Chippo won more Grand Tour stages. Yes, the Tour is bigger, but the total figure was, was higher for Chippo. Um, Chippo also won more one-day big races, I'd say, um, you know, across the, across the course of the classics. You know, Cavs won, Kern... Russell Kern, um, he's won San Remo. But in terms of the big one-day classics, Chippo's won more. So that was what swayed it for me. And, you know, yeah. Cav is a bloody good mate of both of ours. 
and I just didn't want to be biased towards him. Uh-huh. And the final so, one was Chipper was just cool as fuck, wasn't he? Yeah, he, like I made a few notes on him actually because I read his Wikipedia and um, going back to the Giro, the record, so he got on 42. Alfredo Binder, the guy he took it off. Was that dude that, you know, on the track when we had clips and straps, we had those straps. I'm sure they were Binder straps, weren't they? You know the good ones that the, all the sprinters on the track had? Yeah. And then we were, I was like, oh, yeah, getting some Binder straps next week. <laughs> I'm sure. Binder straps. Yeah, I don't know if that's the same one. Somebody will have to let us know. But, uh, yeah, that just stood out to me, actually. But going back to Chippo, yeah. I think the fact that he never finished the tour is like that's another reason why he can't be number one for me because the best sprinter ever has never been on the Champs-Élysées let alone won on the Champs-Élysées um, and like what did I write down here oh yeah so I'm, this is on Wikipedia so I'm not sure if it's 100% correct but in 2002 when he won San Remo and Gent Wevelgum, he'd fallen out with the tour organizers. The tour organizers didn't invite him to the tour from 2000 to 2003. So he decided he was going to stop. But then Ballerini, who was the Italian coach then, obviously pre-ex rider, quality rider himself. I think he won like Flanders and stuff, didn't he? Anyway, um, he talked him back into, you know, to not stop him. He went, obviously went on and won Zolder Worlds that year. Um, I don't know if that's true, but that just sounds bonkers anyway. Um, and then some other crazy stuff he'd done. He, at the start of some race in the Vuelta, he just knocked someone out, got kicked out of the race. Wow. The start of the race, just sparked him out. Uh, in 2003 Vuelta, he had to start because the organizers wanted him there. So the team took him, he did the prologue and then just went home. He was just rare man, wasn't he? And then, funny. And then uh, he got arrested for motor pacing on the Autostrada. He said it's the only place he could safely ride at that speed. I, I remember that. That was all over the news. Yeah, he was pacing, yeah. motor pacing behind a car, and but he didn't actually end up getting in trouble, did he? Because he was god at the time. Yeah, he probably got stopped, and then they were just like, "Ah, oh, yeah, you can go." And then all those different suits he had. Do you remember that muscle suit, like the tiger one? For the, like, he wore the muscle suit for the prologue, didn't he? Yeah, the Giro. You know who won that stage? Brett Lancaster. Yeah, RDS. Yeah. So he was some boy, wasn't he? Some character. I also heard some stories about him. Like every morning he had to have a new pot of jam. So you know when it goes like... Yeah. You open it, that click. And um, that's just like... To be fair though, you know, people... When there's like oh, a big rider, like, yeah, he can do that because he's a big rider. Or, you know, or they, they use like, I don't know, he's, oh, yeah, but he's ruthless and he's determined. Like, that's why he's so good. And it's just an excuse for someone being a dick. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you can be ruthless and selfish when it comes to being a professional and racing hard and all this and that and training and dedicating your life to your sport. But you don't have to be a dick. But eat your jam like, yesterday, mate. Yeah, like having a new pot of jam every morning. Like, what? Oh. And then... Maybe I that's Mario, just superstition, though, you know? Yeah, we just don't... Like, oh. And then 
Um, what else was it? Yeah, he, every time he got into his room after a stage, he had to have like fresh fruit salad there. Like, what, you can't go to the food room? Like, at least ask to just be near the food room, you know, on the same floor of the hotel. Like, so just some boy, wasn't he? Some character. Like, great for the sport and great for all that. But some of the things are just like, just don't be a dick. Yeah, some of the things seem a bit over the top. But I think cycling, all sports need big characters, don't they? And big oh, characters to, you know, publicise the sport, to, for the fans to really love and, you know, have a role model. And he, was, he was certainly out there, wasn't he? You know, with, with them things you said, the way he dressed, you know, flamboyant haircuts and didn't have to wear helmets back in the day. You know, he did a lot for the sport, didn't need to, to bring it forward. The whole jam thing, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not down for that. But, um, yeah, the sport needs people like that. And yeah. I, think, I think that was a bit... I mean, Cav, Cav's the same. He's done so much for the sport. He's, you know, think the big uplift in cycling in Britain. He was a massive part in that. And, you know, he's a character as well. And you think of some of the, some of the things he's done over his career. He's, he's out there, isn't he? Like when he put the two fingers up when he won a stage of Romandy and huh. you know he's done some mad things hasn't he but I mean, yeah it's a tough one angry, was, he? he makes headlines for just grabbing reporters microphones and walking on the bus and stuff like that doesn't he oh, mate, I, honestly right honestly I'm scared for this podcast to be released he's gonna call me straight up <laughs> and genuinely be pissed off I didn't put number one <laughs> he will Tell him break the record for tour wins and then he can be number one on your list as well. So this is how, this is how angry Cav is, right? So the other day we did, um, on Swift, we did um, Everest Challenge, me and Cav. It's a, it's a while ago now. But we, um, so we're going up and he's like, oh, we have to do every climb in an hour. I said, mate, just ride up. If it takes an hour and two minutes, whatever, just, just ride it. So we have to ride up this climb nine times. So, so we're going up first time. He's like 58 minutes, I'm an hour and two. Second time, same, third time. And as it goes on, we get closer and closer. And then after about six times, you know, riding quite hard and I'm thinking, I know exactly what's gonna happen, Cav. You're gonna crack like an egg. Anyway, sure as shit. After like six or seven times, I start climbing faster than him. And he FaceTimes me, or he, no, he called me. Lad, you, you fucking, you changed your weight, haven't you? <laughs> no no you just started too hard and now you're fucked and i've just ridden the same all day and he just hung up on me he does that in training <laughs> no don't he every training ride the same with him he just hung up on me i was like and then an hour later then he calls me back so, sorry mate sorry I, I sorry i was out of order i was just angry i was just angry <laughs> just, oh uh, that's but another thing with chippo yeah, just... with chippo when he was training nobody could overtake him could they on climbs so if Chippo was like right in training camp now, if he's going up a climb, you can't go past him. Wow. Like, yeah. huh. do you know, I trained with him once. We were on the under 23 academy and um, he, he, he came as like a guest to ride with him. And that was obviously amazing. So we're going up this hill and um, we're just like, you know, quite nervous around Chippo and what have you. So we're riding, we don't want to ride too hard, don't want to ride too easy. So right, and he's starting to struggle a bit and we, we didn't really know what to do. And then the, we planned a route, you know, this was the route we're going to do this climb. So we're halfway up this climb and there's a turn off to the right to go back to, to, to bail down. 
and we're just riding up and then we about to come up to this turning and he just shouts whatever in Italian destra. and we all have to turn right we didn't go to the top of the climb so we went uh-huh. down this hill and then he said uh, guys coffee um, so we stopped for a coffee we all walk in you know take a big British coffee stop take our helmets off oh, cappuccino brioche and he literally stood at the bar said oh espresso please got an espresso drank it he said come on boys we'll go in you know, we're like scrambling around, putting our helmets on, proper Italian style coffee stop, walk in, get an espresso, bam, two minutes ago. We were we were sat in, we were getting ready for a nice British, you know, yeah. sit down twenty minutes. So he lived uh, cool. he lives nearby, doesn't he? Like where we used to live in Quarato. He was down on the coast because I saw him once as well. In Via Reggio. Via Reggio. Yeah, because I was riding to uh like Forte de Mami or something, like the place on the beach, remember, where we used to go sometimes? Yeah, yeah. I was riding down there, and like, I just saw him, I was like, bloody hell, that's like Chippo. And I was a bit late and stuff, so it was a bit of a rush, and I remember going past him, you know, he had his sleeves cut off to like, you know, like a gilet, and I just remember passing him thinking, oh no, just past Chippo, like he's going to be so, like, just pressed on, just smashed it then all the way to the beach, and just like, got changed and that was it i've got a story and this this is well it's well publicized and well known but this involves our one and our two calvin chippo so in the tour of california like chippo had retired and then he came back under a new team rock racing yeah he came back he did one race in his final year and it was tour california and uh in the time trial cav was a minute behind him or two minutes behind him you know the story yeah and um Cav catches him in the time trial, and as he passes him for a joke, young clips one, <laughs> young clips one foot, uh, passes Chippo pedaling with one leg, which is just great, you know. But uh, Chippo really didn't like it, did he? he? He went off on one in the press saying it was disrespectful, and like to me, that from Cav, that is just that is funny. But um, huh. Chippo didn't like that. Yeah, well, if you don't like people passing you in training camp up a car, you're not going to like. The next one uh, coming past you with one leg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. I thought it was great. I was just like, oh, I just thought I was having a bit of fun, you know, just a bit of a crack, and it didn't go down too well. <laughs> uh, well, there we have it then, mate. Are we going to do any more? Are we going to do like a cobbles one and an Ardennes one? And yeah, I think. Well, people, let us know what um, you know. We could do cobbled. Yeah, whatever. Ardennes, GC guys, whatever. Let us know. We should. We'll do another one. Impressive ones or something like. Yeah. Anything. Sweet. Well, that was good. Cheers, bud. Nice one, mate. Take it easy. You too. Ciao, bud. Ciao.